2: You're listening to the Sports Scramble Podcast, where four friends serve up a weekly plate of sports with a side of SEC bias. SEC! SEC! Now, here are your hosts, Chet, Jacob, Wade, and Tyler. Let's go!
0: What's going on, everybody? You're listening to this week's episode of the Sports Scramble Podcast, brought to you by Belly Up Sports. I'm your host Chet. And I've got Jacob joining me and we have a special guest. He's an individual that has traveled all 50 states, played 269 random pairings at 111 different municipal golf courses. We've got Jeremy with paired up golf. How are you doing tonight, Jeremy?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, fellas.
0: Yeah, we uh, I found Jeremy. I was scrolling on TikTok as you normally do. He popped up on my for you page and I guess that's the algorithm working. Trying to reach more people, we're hoping it starts working for us a little bit more. Get those numbers going. Uh, yeah, oh.
1: I guess so. I've, I've basically not like posted virtual. I don't know, almost nothing on TikTok, but I posted that trailer on there, and I was like, "All right, TikTok." I started yeah, trying that. I, <laughs>
0: yeah, it's crazy that social media TikTok, YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels. You just post something and let it do it. Let it do its thing and see what mm-hmm. see what it kicks back. So we've met plenty of people through that and through our our network, Belly of Sports. There's, People blow, can blow up, or it takes a while to you know to get through there. So, for sure. Uh, well, like I mentioned, uh, I'm looking at your website. Uh, you know, the 269 random partners at 111 municipal golf courses all across America. I think it says 23,455 miles traveled. That's uh, that's pretty crazy. So, <laughs> um, we, we wanted to have Jeremy come on the show and kind of tell his story, but in true sports scramble podcast fashion we have to ask him the the, the icebreaker question uh, Jacob I'll let you take this one since uh, we ask all our guests this
2: yeah so uh, the question is if you could have dinner with anybody dead or alive who would it be hmm
1: alright this, this came to mind quickly uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll quiz you guys so I'm, I'm a Tennessee grad so who do you think hey, I want man. to dinner you nailed it. <laughs> I, I knew it as soon as you said Tennessee. I was yes. like, it's got to
0: be Peyton Manny.
1: Yes, and so when I was, so I, I mean, I was born in the '90s. So you know, he was at Tennessee when I was like just kind of becoming a big fan. My parents went there. My older siblings went there. We all, right, were you know brainwashed at an early age to wear orange and sing Rocky <laughs> Top and all that. And so I remember when he went to the Colts. Like that's why I'm a Colts fan still to this day, just because I put yeah. in all that time with them and. Um, but when I was a little kid in elementary school, I made this, you had to make a commercial for some product and you had to like make up your product. And I made up the cereal called Manning Munch cereal and have this little commercial of how nutritious it was. And I'm wearing a Peyton Jersey and made this little box. I think my parents still have like this Manning Munch
0: cereal box. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that that's, so that's so cool. The, uh, so, the Manning so, family is a little intertwined with mine. Uh, you, we mentioned before the show, you traveled on down to the, Mississippi Gulf Coast, Biloxi, Gulfport area. There's a famous yeah. French restaurant, Mary Mahoney's, that uh, half my family owns, and uh, my All mom right. used to work there in high school. And uh, Archie and his wife came down and brought the boys, and they needed somebody to babysit the boys while well, they had a nice dinner. And my mom was picked; she was the waitress that wasn't working that night. No so she way. Actually, <laughs> she sat Peyton, uh, Eli, and Art, and uh, uh, Cooper. Uh, that's, Cooper, that's yeah, the other one. yeah. So. <laughs> It's That's always, too cool. Was,
1: That's the, what is what a sweet experience for her.
0: Yeah, so it's always fun little story to tell when someone brings up Peyton Man. I bet you you probably love the Manning cast, huh? Getting to watch your childhood hero call NFL games.
1: I do. It, like I'll I'll uh, find myself watching some random like Jets game or some game I just don't care about. <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah, <laughs> my girlfriend's like, oh, is, you know, the Colts play. I'm like, no, but uh, Peyton's on, so I'm just gonna watch him. <laughs>
0: the Manning brothers rule. I mean, they're gonna run the NFL I know. One day. It's and crazy, that, seriously. That'll be awesome. It'll be back to its full glory. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's 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 jump into it. Uh, You know, tell tell the listeners your story, your journey you embarked on, kind of what what got you into it.
1: Yeah. So last March, I left uh, with my girlfriend and our two little dogs on what ended up being a nine month 50 state road trip in our converted sprinter van. Did you do
0: the the conversion yourself or did you buy it that way? Because I saw some pictures. It looks sweet.
1: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I actually bought it that way. So there was a couple in in Chattanooga who was, um, which is only, I live in Nashville. So they're only two hours kind of southeast of me. And most of that stuff's on the West Coast. Like most of it's in San Diego or, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of anywhere in SoCal. And so I saw this one pop up in Chattanooga and I was like, I have to get this one. And so (laughs) I, um, went down there and like talked to this couple and they used to live in a van and for a few years now they just build them out. And I just saw they, they just posted one for sale actually today. Um, okay. But they, but they just kind of go one at a time and right found it. And I, I'm a, just so your listeners know, and you guys as well, I'm a, I am was a complete novice to RV life. I did not come from a family who camps ever really, or <laughs> especially does an RV. I rode an RV one time as a kid. I'm mm. from I'm from Florida originally, so I went up to a Tennessee game um, football game in Knoxville in like a friend's dad's RV, but it was like one of those huge bus like tricked out right? yeah, RVs where it's like it might as well be a house <laughs> essentially and so yeah, it was definitely this past year was a learning experience, uh, no question and so yeah, we ended up going like you said, those numbers there, all fifty states uh, played hundred and eleven municipal courses and my my sole purpose of the trip though was to get into uh random pairings at golf courses so nothing pre-planned um this wasn't a golf trip of like what's the nicest course i can play or what's you know the what's the best course in town like i'd strictly played the city owned municipals because as you guys probably know since you play like that's where you get the widest variety of people right right
2: yeah definitely
1: yeah like you'll get people Literally, I don't know, down to the last dollar to people who make millions a year, you know, like you get mm-hmm. the whole economic bracket out there, you know, men, women, everybody. And so um, kids, I played with a handful of kids like on the strip, too. And so. Uh, so, yeah, so my, my whole purpose was working on a book about just these random pairings and these people and just met some pretty amazing people as I went. And um, yeah, it was, it was kind of the, the tag along fourth <laughs> for yeah. about n- nine months on the course.
0: That's that's so awesome. Did uh, so is I guess is your background? Are you a writer and you wanted to chase something, or is this was just like something that you thought of one day and said, you know what, let's make it happen?
1: Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, so I, I used to I worked for the Golfers Journal for a little bit over a year. Um, okay, if you're familiar with them, it's like just like quarterly quarterly publication. Um, hmm. And so I, but otherwise, I mean, I'd worked in sales for a window replacement company for about nine years and was. I started to do paired up on the side. So I took a trip to Canada in 2018, just like a family vacation, and got paired up with this couple up in Banff Springs, which is this really epic course. I mean, it's like these crazy mountains everywhere and this crystal blue river and it rained hailed was like cold <laughs> and really hot like it was this crazy day out there i was playing with my dad all four
0: and, all four seasons of one day in Canada. yeah pretty much i mean I, <laughs> sounds I really like was. pretty intense
1: like just uh, at one point i had on like three jackets then i had on just a short sleeve shirt and like it just was a really bizarre day but like the thing that stood out to me the most that day was this this older couple named herb and jill
2: mm-hmm. that we
1: were randomly paired up with and like li- literally that in the restaurant after that round I was sitting with my parents and my sister I was like man I I think like that's the most interesting part of golf courses to me is that you show up and you just have no clue who you're going to meet and you meet these people and what I found through doing that and through this journey was everyone has a story that would really stop you in your tracks right and the trick is just kind of getting out of your own way to hear it essentially so I started doing this thing I just created this thing called paired up on the side where uh, you know inside my sales job and was just you know, blogging or just posting on social media about random people I was paired up with <laughs> at golf courses and then eventually, you know, then I worked for the Golfer Journal for a bit at the same time as doing the sales job, but then eventually left both and took on this trip.
0: That's mm-hmm. hey, when you got a dream, follow it, you know. hmm So As
2: far you know, getting into like the courses and things, you know, based on you played all fifty states, like you said, you know, is it where's you know guys have preferences i guess when they go places grass is different environments are different where would you say your favorite part like region wise of the country uh, to play golf would be
1: oh man that that's a good question because you're totally right i mean it is wildly different like I, I mean i grew up in florida so a bunch of warm weather grass i've lived in the south uh i mean pretty much my whole life i lived in chicago for a couple of years after college um but But, yeah, so I never really played, like, the desert terrain um, until this trip. And then California, you kind of get into a whole, you know, new thing there. And then, of course, all across, like, the north and, like, northeast, you get that awesome, like, cool weather grass where take these big divots that you can just toss back. and (laughs) It's like beaver tails. Yeah. Yeah. And And then, I mean, I played places in the middle of, like, the desert and like, west Texas and New Mexico that you couldn't make a divot if you tried, right? It's just like dust just explodes <laughs> yeah. when you hit the ground. And so uh, one that comes to mind, though, when you ask that is, um, I really like some of those ones on the coast of California where, and I know a lot of people don't like putting on like POA greens, if you're familiar with that.
0: yeah.
1: Um, I, mean, you hear, I don't know, you hear tour pros, or tour pros talk about how bumpy right. it is and
0: yeah,
1: blah, blah, blah. But um, I, I don't know. I, I like that stuff. Like through San Diego, even all the way up to you know, Seattle and Portland, just kind of those, those coastal spots. I think I like that grass a lot.
0: When So when you were over there, was there any temptation to like sneak over to Pebble beach and try to get around there? Or was it strictly municipal courses? That's what you set out to do. That's what you were going to play. Man. Temptation was at an, an,
1: at an all-time high (laughs) (laughs) at certain times, but no, I I stayed true to it. Just did the Munis. Um, Right. And I was like, if I go play somewhere else, it's not a Muni. Once it's a slippery slope,
0: <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> you start to fall. Like, oh, well, yeah. I'm in Oregon. I got abandoned dunes. Let's go try that out. L- literally,
1: beach. Dr- yeah. Yes, literally drove r- directly past the entrance of abandoned dunes and. Jeez. I like made a stop next to, I was like, I told my girlfriend, me, I was like, you have to get a picture of me real quick <laughs> in front of the <laughs> sign, like covering my eyes or something. But Put that um, on the
0: cover of your book.
1: I know. Right. <laughs> the and then the there's, there's, um, there's one. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Landman that just opened in uh, Nebraska. It's uh, a, a friend of mine, Rob Collins. He he designed Sweden's Cove, if you've heard of that, um, mm. he and his, his design company. Anyway, they just, they just opened this course last year that just they open it kind of late in the season but it's now like the number one new public course i think in america is what golf digest rated it and so uh i stopped by just like look at that because he happened to be in town when i was there and he was like hey we're playing tomorrow if you want to go out there and play and i was like better not so i was like i'll come back i'll come back which i am this summer if you want to go up there and play so
2: <laughs> yeah you but, should yes,
0: do it. a tour through all the municipal and then a tour of all the public but maybe not city owned courses throughout the country i know yeah right, there's, there's plenty out. of those for sure yeah. <laughs> was was it tough finding um like spots to stop around the country like how did you plan out your route uh you know strictly municipal did that tie in or did you like have a route and then you would break off to go play a course and then get back on the on the trail
1: so i planned this trip and. um actually back in 2019 so i i had the idea for it and this, this is going to tie into what you're asking there but mm-hmm. I, had, I had this idea for it in the this, this summer of 2019 i was like i'd been doing the paired up stuff a little bit on the side and was like man i just really want to do this on like a bigger scale and then i was traveling uh for work one time and i was in indianapolis and just played this muni and met these two awesome ladies that i just was randomly paired up with and i was like all right this is it i need to like go to all these different places and do that and so I spent the second half of 2019 actually, which feels, I don't know what, like a hundred years ago now. <laughs> I yeah, really. real um, but I mean, I spent that whole half of the year of mapping it out. And originally I was going to do like this four month, or I thought it was going to take four months, but I was going to do this loop around the country where it was going to be, I think 35 total States. And even when we, when we left on the trip, it was that was still the plan was to do essentially leave from Nashville, go to Florida, go all the way West to San Diego, basically along I-10, up to Seattle essentially across the top part of the country to Chicago around to the Northeast and back down. And so I was going to skip just a bunch of stuff in the middle there. All um, right. so I had all those courses mapped out, um, for the most part, I would say up until I got to like the Northeast. Cause it, uh, up around there, I don't know. I just didn't know that area super well. And I just needed some like local intel from people. Um, but yeah, so a lot of it was just online research, which mm-hmm. man, if you want to, if you want to find a website that looks like it was created in 1995 and hasn't been touched, uh, go to city owned, like, like city websites, yeah, really. <laughs> click on their parks department and try to figure out some stuff about a golf course on there, or just trying to figure out if a place is truly a, a, a municipal course, um, which thankfully there's this website, God, I don't know if you guys know it, called Golf Link that. Mm -hmm. they they'll list it looks like a really basic website but it was so helpful to me because they would just list you know within a city all the courses or within a state even all the courses and then they they would label them municipal and blah 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 and then sometimes I would call just like make sure like hey you guys owned by the city okay cool um but so a lot of it I I knew like a lot of courses as I was going but man I would say probably like 30 percent of them maybe popped up as I was going just through word of mouth like hey you've got to go to fill in the blank you know and then i'd be like okay sweet and then go check it out but i, I knew the route we were going to do and so as long as it was somewhat on that route we were good
0: gotcha i gotta i gotta ask where did you play in louisiana because uh i went to lsu um so there was a there's a fun little city owned course in in baton rouge in the capital called city park it's a nine course it's short it's it's pretty fun
1: that is precisely where I played. So There you go. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So I played. I've played a few places actually. So I stopped in Baton Rouge just because. I, I mean, being an SEC person, I've I've like always wanted to go go to a game there and stuff. Just never have made it down there. And right. Um, and so I just wanted to stop and check out Baton Rouge just in, in general. But yeah. So I played City Park, and that place is really fun, man. That it has mm. some really fun holes that like it's not. I mean, you're not gonna be bored there, out the- there
0: yeah and they're not long holes so a lot of them are like drivable par fours um Dri- and...
1: drivable but you got to be accurate like you got to yeah <laughs> hit a, a good shot um and so yes yeah, so i played there and met a couple pastors there that i played with and they were cool i think um i mean they were, they were both local and then so stopped by campus saw mike the tiger he was out in his habitat and yeah i was telling my girlfriend i was like hey they had this live tiger on campus we like Kind of have to go see, so <laughs> we uh, we stopped by, and she was like, "I mean, she's she's from like you know California, and is not has not been baptized there in all things
0: SEC football or anything." Right. So I was probably shocked that there was a. An yeah, actual she's tiger. like,
1: "What is what's happening here again?" I was like, "Well, I, I'll tell you, his name's Mike. He's you know I don't know how much longer they're going to do this, but <laughs> he's down there. And then and then I went to New Orleans and played uh, Joseph Bartholomew there. And then played um another one that was called, I think it was it was called City Park there as well I think um, um it's called uh or no it's 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 in it's within City Park
0: yeah I can't um, remember the name of it but yeah they have a park called City Park in in New Orleans yes uh,
1: there's two there's two courses there now I didn't play the newer uh, this is terrible I can't think of the name of it but um I, I didn't play there's a newer one that's that was. Redesigned to try to get like a tour event and stuff that never happened, and then I played the North. older one there. Yeah. It's either like the is, North uh, Course or
0: IU, yeah, there's the North Course and the South Course. Yeah, IU so was, I played the North Course. Yes. Okay.
1: I, I I wore a hat from there forever until it like eventually just discolored too much, but it like had a pelican on it. And it was just mm-hmm. it was, like, kind of a cool New Orleans hat, but. I so, liked it, man. It, going to New Orleans, too, was uh, I'd only been there once and it was I was in high school. So it had it, been quite a while. But right, man, that, that place is a true, unique one of one town. I mean, it's it its is. in the South, <laughs> but it's so different than everything else in the South. right? right like, it is.
0: Well, actually, it well, uh, we have two other co-hosts on the show. One of them is actually his birthday. So he's out celebrating with his soon to be wife and uh, the other one was working. He works for the New Orleans Pelicans, so he's. They have a game tonight. He's working there. Uh, but Perfect. the four of us will all be in New Orleans in a few weeks for Wade, Arthur the co for his wedding. Uh, so we may we may have to bring the clubs with us, Jacob, and try to get around over at on <laughs> yeah. the North Course and, and check it out. You they could, yeah, It's it's, it's been
2: look in there. Yeah the north the
1: North Course is definitely like the older, you know, much more kind of tired of the two. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I met it. Was, so we happened to be there during the. Uh, final four weekend last year which was hosted there and just kind of out of coincidence and I played on the Monday of the championship game with a coach you know like every basically there are tons of coaches go to the final four you know just a huge networking weekend and Mm -hmm. I I was randomly paired up with a guy there who um, coaches at Loyola of Maryland and (laughs) he was trying to play just before he was Flying back, and then we we kept up a little bit just through social media. And then by the time we got around to which that school's in Baltimore, by the time we got around to Baltimore, it was their like big midnight madness like season kickoff event. And He was like, "Hey, please come to this thing." And so I ended up going to that and hanging out and like catching up with him again, which was too cool.
0: That's that's really like you you said before we started recording. You meet people and network, and you never know if you're ever going to talk to them again, or you end up going to a basketball game because uh, yeah. they have coaches who you played with.
1: I know I, I find myself like following like, <laughs> like almost getting updates on my phone, like like checking out their teams and how they're doing. And yeah, uh, his name is Tavares. Uh, he, he's a
2: really cool guy.
0: Yeah. So uh, Jacob, you go ahead. I, I've got one. I've yeah. got a question so, in the back of my mind.
2: Yeah. So I had to ask you, you know, something caught my eye like in your story of, of your journey and everything. And it was you playing with Tiger's caddy from the 95 masters. Um, You know, tell me about like that experience you know the story like i'm sure the stories were endless you know of of all the things that happened there of course uh you know with the history of the masters and the changes you know it being like the only event that had its own caddies you know of course that was mm-hmm. gone but like what what kind of experience was that like you know in the stories that he would tell
1: yeah, that, w- that was kind of crazy. I mean, it was um, uh, the Friday skins game at the patch, which was what they call the Augusta, uh, you know, municipal course there, just because the, one of the general managers at one point, his wife grew, had a cabbage patch that grew there. And so every local around there calls it the patch. <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, so I just, I showed up on a Friday, you know, no tea time or anything, was just hoping to get out with somebody. This was right before Thanksgiving. So we were getting down towards the end of the trip. And, they were like, well, hey, there's a skins game coming out. You can ask them if, you, if they'll let you join or whatever. And I was like, that that sounds great. I'll do that. And then I was randomly paired up with him and one of the guys in the group was like, hey, he. by the way, he was Tiger's caddy at the Masters. And I was he thinking didn't, like... He didn't even
0: come out and say it. He was trying to play yeah, low. It would
1: be cool. I know. I was like, I was thinking, you know, I was like, wait, no, what? Did he caddy? Because I was, I was, you know, only picturing Tiger having like Fluff or Stevie or, you know, right. Joey LaCov and stuff. And but yeah, so it was Tiger's first master. So obviously the US amateur champion, which Tiger was at the time, gets a birth into the Masters. And it was in 1995. And they just wanted a a local caddy that, that had knowledge of, of the place. And so Tommy grew up in a low income neighborhood that borders Augusta Country Club, which borders Augusta National. And mm-hmm. um he uh I'll get into his story in a second, but yeah, so he um so he was, you know, they they came to Tommy and he had had been caddying there for, I mean, since he was literally, literally a little kid. And um, when they asked him, he was like, I don't want to caddy for Tiger, which is such a funny thing to think about now. I mean, (laughs) knowing what we know now, but this is 95. He's an amateur. Like Tommy was like, I don't want to caddy. He told me, he's like, I don't want to caddy for no damn amateur. He's like, I want to (laughs) win. And so uh, like, he really waited a few years. (laughs) I know. Right. And so he, um, the closest, cause he, he got second one time with a guy named Jody mudd on the bag and it was like the closest he came to winning and it had like a big moment on eighteen and everything and um and so the, anyway, so eventually he agrees to the caddy for Tiger and he told me the story where Tiger on Friday, which he was calling Cut Day, had, had driven it into the pine straw on thirteen, like in the trees there where, you know, a lot of famous shots have happened, right? And mm-hmm. He just kept telling Tiger to lay up and was trying to give him this layup yardage, and Tiger just kept demanding for the yardage to the pin, and he like wouldn't tell him. that eventually, he was like, "Fine, it's you know two whatever he said, two thirty or two twenty something to the pin." And Tiger was like, "Give me the four iron and like hit it on the green, made birdie, <laughs> <laughs> and made the cut." True you Tiger know, Woods and, fashion. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then of course he you know, got the low amateur that year, and uh, but so that, that's kind of a cool example on, on this trip where. That you know, caddying for Tiger and the Masters is obviously like on the first line of that guy's bio, right? I mean that's mm-hmm. in his obituary obituary one day. That'll
0: probably be what's said first. I'll be honest but... tombstone. If it was me, yeah, it'd be a right. tiger's caddy and then yeah. loving husband and father.
1: <laughs> yes. And and so he went he went on to um I mean, he's caddied for VJ and Kuchar and Webb Simpson and all these different people um, at, at various tour events throughout the year. And he's still caddies on the Corn Ferry Tour some now, at, and I'm pretty sure he was in his early 70s. Um, and so, wow. uh, so he's still getting after it. But what I found so interesting with him was that, like, yes, of course, I was drawn to the Tiger aspect of it because as any golf fan or golfer anywhere, like you hear Tiger, you're like, tell me everything, you know, you know, but he... He grew up in you know a low that low income neighborhood uh, that's called the Hill there. That's the Sand Hills neighborhood, and his his dad was never in the picture. His mom um, left when he was a kid and moved to New York to be a housekeeper, leaving Tommy and his sister in Augusta to somewhat be raised by his grandparents, but really to to fend for themselves. And so he started caddying at Augusta Country Club because they paid three dollars a day. For, wow. for caddying back in the day and he did that so that he could provide lunch money for he and his sister at school mm. and then the 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 kind of the rule in town was you had to caddy at Augusta Country Club and prove yourself there to then get called up to essentially the big leagues which was Augusta National which he got called up to eventually um and that was really awesome for him because he could now make seven bucks a day
2: at Augusta National
1: wow. yeah. and and keep That's in mind, crazy. this is in this is in like the segregated south when he's growing up. And this is back when um, you know the masters, the the chairman there said like the golfers will be white, the caddies will be black. And um, yeah. I mean, that was back in that era, and so he mm. you know he was caddying forever out there, and he told me he would skip school to go caddy, and eventually the caddy master had to tell him, like, hey man, I can't give you loops during the week, like I know you're skipping school. You can come here after school on the weekends, etc. So, I mean, his I just found his story really inspiring, yeah, just on really. a personal level, even if you just remove the tiger aspect out of it, mm-hmm. which, which was pretty yeah. neat. So, you know,
2: I've, I've, I've seen so many stories of like that same thing of, of all these different caddies, uh, you know, just like you said, you know, getting to that point in Augusta National, and of course, you know, that's no longer you know in the picture anymore knowing you know just from three to seven dollars to now we're seeing you know caddies take home 10 and 15 percent of the winnings uh each week oh, sure. know, which is completely different you know just 50, 50 60 years later and you're seeing mm-hmm. things you know that you never thought you would uh you know from his perspective i'm sure but yeah. certainly
1: and the guys in that, in that friday game out there a lot of them were, were caddies at augusta
2: um you know, he just happened to be get
1: Tiger's bag, right? Right. So,
0: yeah. But I mean, <laughs> he didn't want those, it, but he got it.
1: <laughs> I know exactly. So, uh, you know, a lot of those guys are in that group were, were awesome to talk to just because, I mean, you can't really grow up in or really live in Augusta, Georgia without being entertained with the masters right. to some degree, is really so. what it seemed like, especially you know, a golfer, right? And so, I mean, because it's to them, it's their hometown tournament. To you and I and people listening, it's, probably the holy grail of like, I hope I get to go there one day. day. (laughs) The Super Bowl of golf. Everyone can be like, oh, I got to go one time and you remember everything from that day, et cetera. And Mm so for them, it's, it's their hometown, you know? Um, And another guy in our group that day. So it was me, Tommy, and we, there's three of us. The other guy was um, a guy named Jim Dent who played on the PGA tour and then won 13 times on the champions tour. He had like this really robust champions tour career. And, uh i believe he was um 80 and i mean he was always known for his distance and was still just like piping it out there and like still had all the game you would want and his son um now is the gm at, at the at the patch at the muni there so okay cool Yep. and <laughs> runs then of, um, runs of the family exactly so and like the street pulling into the golf course is jim Dent Way, and so mm-hmm. that that place is i mean Obviously, everyone's going to talk about Augusta National, rightly so. But
0: man, I had—I I won't go back to Augusta without somebody there. That's for sure. Right. Well, and that's what's cool about your story is when people think Augusta, they immediately think the Masters. Um, but then you've got a, a whole nother perspective on it. Um, mm-hmm. Did you did you make it by? Uh, by augusta national to take a picture of at least the front gate or something drive by of there of course of course
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah you wouldn't be a golf fan if you if you didn't yes. so that's told my was like
1: hey we we have to drive by this place i need to take a picture that's probably going to be a you know guard and sure enough there's like a state trooper looking guard with the big wide brim <laughs> hat and uh he he like so i just like stopped in this this turn lane essentially in the middle and i was taking a picture down there he saw me and i just kind of like waved and he was like give me a little salute like you're he the probably sees 100th it. Hundredth person All to do this this season. week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so, the um... must
0: the must stops were Mike the Tiger and Augusta National. So that makes me feel better about LSU. That the, it's the nationwide.
1: <laughs> Correct, in that order, I'd say you got it. Yeah, there you go. Mike the Tiger, and then Augusta
0: National. <laughs> yes, we're using that as a soundbite for the for the whole episode. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask, what was your uh, well? Before I get, I got two questions for you where like where would y'all stay at night would you just kind of find random rv parks along the way you mentioned you'd shower at planet fitness um where like what was your plan for where to stay
1: there's one place that's in basically every town in the country can you guess can you guess where we stayed
0: walmart or planet fitness (laughs) you
1: nailed it walmart (laughs) (laughs) so we slept i mean we really only did campgrounds i think four total times out of nine you know nine months like i thought we were going to do those probably more than that but sometimes the stuff was booked up and we didn't know when we'd be somewhere until the day before potentially and so but yeah so we slept i mean primarily in walmart parking lots and cracker barrel parking lots in the cracker Cracker barrel areas of the country and those felt a little safer (laughs) for you know whatever reason and um i mean we had we didn't have any any crazy issues either way but Yes, I feel like I could walk in blindfolded into a, the Cracker Barrel country store section of it and tell you where everything is. <laughs> and, uh, Was that your go-to um,
0: breakfast spot along, oh, when man, they were well, in the
1: country? Y- y- well, you know, so they have those RV spots like literally painted behind every Cracker Barrel. Like you'll see like RV and bus parking,
0: like a sign when you pull into all of them. And I had no idea that was a thing. Now I Yeah, next,
1: next time you go by, I just look, you'll see a little white street sign that says RV and bus parking and then arrows pointing yeah. behind it. And early on, I was like, man, I wonder why they let you do this. And then I would end up buying breakfast there in the mornings. I'm like, oh, this is why. <laughs> like, yeah, they, exactly get the, they get the business why, yeah. for sure. They've trapped <laughs> me. Same with Walmart. Like I go in there and use the restroom in the mornings and then end up I'm like getting a couple things. I'm like, I don't need this. Dang it. What am yeah. I doing? So yeah. So we did those two mainly. If we were in some cool areas of the country, we would try to find, um, or we'd use an app that's called I overlander that just other RV people post on about different places that are free to park or free to stay. So sometimes we would end up like, um, like when we were out in Monterey and like Pacific Grove, uh, little town out there, like we were able to stop, slept like basically directly on the beach. Um, we did that a handful of times and, um in the mountains and, and like in the red rocks and sedona like we you know definitely some cool places but uh home sweet walmart <laughs> was <Yeah. laughs> the name of the game pretty much
0: Well, i hope you stopped at the at heb when you were in texas well it's... yes
1: I, of course i did that too <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: so we got lsu augusta heb in that yes. order. yeah augusta ranks above heb but
1: and and we so my girlfriend and i both have some food allergies so we cooked a lot on the trip like we weren't really yeah.
0: I mean, most people That's think it's a good, of, way to uh, save, good way to save money too while you're yeah, yeah. traveling the country.
1: Coincidentally. Yes. And so, yeah. um, I mean, most people picture that kind of trip, just like eating fast food or whatever the whole time, but mm-hmm. not really an option <laughs> for us. So I, I cooked on this little two burner camp stove with two cast iron skillets most of the time. And, um, and so we, I have some pretty strong opinions on grocery stores cause we would have to do like legitimate <laughs> grocery shopping right. in most towns and HEB was, was pretty good. Um, it it definitely fell down the rank some as i kept traveling which i know is like uh, uh, blasphemy <laughs> to any texan <laughs> but yeah but it's we'll let it slide. it's a solid,
0: it's a solid store for sure what was your uh, what was your favorite course that you played all along the way
1: man favorite is really tough um, partly because i played so many different kinds of places that really captured my attention which which i'll i'll tell you some of those because i mean you think of okay. like the most famous municipals in the country are Torrey Pines, Beth Page Black, um, Chambers Bay, and Harding Park in mm-hmm. San Francisco, mm-hmm. where Morcowell won the PGA recently. And like those are ones that are, you know, their greens fees are like 200 dollars, right? Somewhere between two and three hundred bucks. And they're municipals, but they're not, not really. totally feel yeah. like it, right? Now Harding Park in San Francisco felt like the vibe of of a muni, like the clubhouse, the the whole experience there really felt like it granted the course is obviously like big and famous. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But so like, I mean, like Chambers Bay is one of my favorite, one of my favorite golf courses, you know, Muni or otherwise, I just love that place. I'd played it once before this trip. And so I was super pumped to go back there. Um, But then there's, then there's like this whole mid-level of courses that are all, you know, I'd say 30 to 50 bucks. So, you know, really good value and are just spectacular. I mean, I think of like Jeffersonville and Philadelphia is awesome. Um, Keeney Park, or Kenny Park, I can never remember how to say that, in Hartford, Connecticut. Like this, these different places that I played, Swope Memorial and Kansas City. Um, and there's, there's a bunch of these places like that that are so cool. But then there's this whole other subsection I played that are nine holes, practically $10 to play. And yeah. were some of my favorite places I stopped at. You know, like there's one in... Um, Eugene Oregon that I love called Laurel wood and it's nine holes that I'm like, man, people need to stop here going to and from Bandon. Like this is a, a no brainer stop. This is like mm-hmm. your perfect warm up round as you're, you know, once you land. And so um, which I'll, I'll write about in my book, but there, you know, there's, so it's hard to name favorites, but there's certain ones that really like really grabbed me. And, and one of them actually that just came to mind was um, uh, we went, we went to Alaska for five days and We played, or I played um, Anchorage Golf Course up there. Okay. And I teed off. So I I ate ate dinner. This was in July, so it's it's stayed light. It's always funny, yeah. Really long, yeah. So (laughs) I ate dinner and then teed off at six thirty to play eighteen holes and finished. You know, I think around like eleven or so, and then. (laughs) it was still light for uh, pretty much till midnight (laughs) there and crazy and the sun, I mean like, so I I had a camera over my shoulder the whole time. Um, like golf bag on one shoulder camera on the other. I walked virtually every round. And, um, and so I, uh, was always, you know, it was a total bonus to me if I was playing a course in golden hour or like around sunrise where it was like really good light, you know, like not the middle of the day sun, but I couldn't always control that just cause the schedule, et cetera. And so in alaska though it basically freezes on like golden hour light for hours on end and so like as a photographer excuse me as a photographer you're like this is perfect you know this is i i don't have to like rush around and i don't have like 30 minutes suddenly
0: that Mm -hmm. has good photography like all your yeah get all your pictures in
1: yeah literally hours of it and just really gorgeous and so you know i saw a bear saw a moose um kind of checked off all the alaska bingo (laughs) bingo squares essentially
0: so i was gonna ask you uh you played all 50 how did you get hawaii and alaska we've heard the alaska how did you get to hawaii was that uh, obviously you didn't drive there correct
1: Um, so those are the only two that we flew to so i we left the van in seattle and flew to alaska this summer um and we originally had a, the van booked to be on a ferry to go there but it wasn't going to get us back in time to get to the east coast before winter hit and so i was like oh thanks i guess we'll just have to fly there and then we did hawaii at the very end so we made it back home to nashville uh actually in this kind of weird route had to hit arkansas last <laughs> before getting home and so um no offense to arkansas but I didn't feel like I could totally end the trip in Arkansas. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> we, um, so we got, you know, we, we, we got home, we're home for two days and then flew to Hawaii for um, about a week uh, right before Christmas. And okay. in Hawaii, I played two places, but the last course I played was this nine hole golf course um, called Kahuku. The parking lot is just kind of this, gravelly mixture of gravel grass there there's three trailers there that are really rusted out and you you would have no clue like which one a golf shop is when you pull in there and it's just like the most there's some chickens walking around like this is the most rustic place but it is directly on the ocean and like the most primo real estate and Mm. stunningly gorgeous just you know look at like this unbelievably like turquoise blue ocean the whole time and it's nine holes and it's it's epically windy there just the winds howling all the time and so their hole markers are made out of just wood that are nailed to anything that won't blow over like there's a street (laughs) sign near one of them that's just nailed to that and there's you know there's just so many cool things about it and i was uh got paired up with this uh, this local guy there named paca who was just the, the perfect way to end the trip essentially
0: so you didn't end it in Arkansas, you ended it in Hawaii. There you go. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. the last chapter of the book, Hawaii. I think I was maybe the, the only person in
1: the world to have gone from Lexington to Louisville to Little Rock to Honolulu. <laughs> like in order, so. All on the same vacation.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so
1: correct. Within like a week of each other.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, shout out to your girlfriend for tagging along on this golf trip around the country did did she play golf with you or did she just kind of explore the cities when, when wherever y'all were at
1: so she actually surprisingly played zero holes of golf this entire time wow <laughs> so, um so i know most people are like how did you talk her into this like what, what what was going on but so she i mean luckily i mean she loves to travel and loves being on the road so i knew um like I I met her in 2020 so I already had this trip in my mind because I was gonna originally leave on this trip in 2020 um like in April of 2020 of course COVID etc something that had other
0: plans (laughs) yes (laughs) exactly
1: not the best time to travel and so then the next year just still timing wasn't totally right and then so she knew about it so like you know eventually I was like hey I gotta do this trip I'm, I'm gonna lose my mind and so she was. I was like, "Are you down to go with the dogs?" And she was like, "Yeah, let's do it." And so, luckily, she was game. And so, she worked remotely for a company in Nashville, so she was able to do that.
0: Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah.
1: Full time, and then she's a uh, like a competitive runner, does marathons, and um, sometimes I would complain after walking a lot of holes, and then. <laughs> I remember who i'm talking to i'm like oh never mind <laughs> but uh so she she uh you know is training for we're headed to london in april because she's running the london marathon and so okay she was doing a t- tons of training during that and then yes like you said we would go check out all the cities and do more non-golf stuff than golf stuff really
0: are you uh bringing the sticks to london find somewhere to it up over there
1: you know we're gonna be there for three weeks. I think I should. Um,
0: I mean, you got you traveled the country with them. You might as well bring them across yeah, the pond to London. I
1: know exactly. So we're gonna we're going to London and then Paris and then the stop in Belgium and then Amsterdam.
0: So I think that's four more places to add to the book. 50 think have, plus four countries.
2: <laughs> yes. You know, traveling when flying does it make you nervous? Like, it, I think it makes me nervous, but like. When you fly and you have to check your golf clubs, it it makes me nervous. Like here, I have like three thousand dollars worth of golf clubs, and I'm not sure if they're going to make it here. Kind of thing. Does it make you nervous? You know, traveling with them.
1: Well, yeah, because I mean, I I got so used to it, um, always having them in the van. Like I, we, you know, in the van, I had all my stuff at all times, and so I got so used to that. So like, even like when we flew to alaska and hawaii i was i felt like i had nothing with me you know I was like oh, i just had yeah. this bag like like a regular person traveling and right. so but i'll tell you what will calm your anxiety and this is um a free plug is uh just get an apple air tag and throw it in your bag and then i've, uh,
0: I've heard about that that way you, yeah. you know what it says your bag's been checked well let me check if it's if it's on the plane oh it's underneath <laughs> Correct. Me right now good to so go so when i
1: landed in both of those places i was like is my bag here great and then my, my clubs actually got lost for like a week during christmas um but I knew where they were the whole time. They were just sitting in in um, Dallas Fort Worth, <laughs> the airport, for uh, about a week. And I was like, "Well, that's fine. They'll they'll get here eventually, you know." So yeah. anyway, said, that'll flying, help me
0: out. Flying to Alaska, you know, you're going there to play golf, and your clubs yes. don't come. I guess you got to find somewhere to rent some golf clubs because uh, yes. the trip can't stop. You got it. You got to do what you showed up to to go there for.
1: And I bought one air tag and I threw it in my golf bag. I was like, if my clothes get lost, my clothes get lost. I don't care. <laughs> like, <Yeah.
0: laughs> I got to know where this golf bag is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, you know, we asked about your favorite course. What was like one of the just, the, I'm sure you can't narrow it down to just one, but what was one of the more interesting stories that you had or like people that you met besides Tiger Woods' caddy, um, you know, like just someone that really stood out to you along the way?
1: Yeah, um, it is a bit like picking your favorite kid, right? I mean, there's yeah. uh, 200, 269 <laughs> people I met you know, on the road, and and they all they all definitely carry or carry a special place because you know just had these cool connections with them. And really, so one thing that that helps from a story standpoint um, that that I learned on this trip is I would get into these conversations with people, and keep in mind, like I'm I'm talking to these are pure strangers to me, right? Like I just right. meet them. Oftentimes right by the first tea. Um mm-hmm. like, hey, how's it going? Do you guys care if I join you? Or maybe we we booked the same tea time and it's already happened or whatever. So I was thinking, you know, as I'm traveling, I'm like, man, there's just so few things now where you're with a stranger for hours on end and you have to talk to them. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. and not I'm not trying to sound like old man on the rocker, like, oh, technology has ruined, you know, whatever, but <laughs> genuinely like you can have a full day if you want uh, like a full productive work week and never really talk to a stranger right like you could if you work yeah. remotely maybe you then work out after that and you're just doing like peloton or something else that's virtual right and then maybe you order groceries and you can just click to have them left on your front doorstep right or mm-hmm. if you just get takeout, and you can have like this kind of full productive week and then never talk to a stranger and so i just was had this feeling before i went i was like man I don't think people talk to strangers anymore or, or at least it's died down a considerable amount. Right. And so, so what I found on this trip, as I'm talking to these strangers is there's this comment, like there's, they they send you a coded message when you're talking to them. Like they may say it's it's like what they're saying is different than the words they just told you where like, they might say, Oh yeah, well, I moved to um, Vermont after my um, you know, after my father died and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, when they say that little thing like, like you just have to you know kind of be a good listener and hear like okay they just mentioned something about their dad passing and it's like this door opens into a new room you know mm-hmm. um i just read this analogy in, the, in this book this writing book recently where it tied into this perfectly where this lady talked about how it, it's like you have a, a it's like when you're talking to someone it's like you're in a, a room with eight foot ceilings that are like those old styrofoam squares that are in every classroom right that you can like yeah poke and move right away and it's like when you ask all different colors yeah yeah and it's like you think this is as big as the room is right and then when someone mentions a little comment that offers the opportunity to kind of see that door creak open it's like you poke the square tile to realize like oh man there's a really beautiful vaulted ceiling under underneath that right or above that and so Mm -hmm. um so those moments were like pure magic to me And that's really why I went on this trip was to get into those moments. And so a couple of them um, to answer your question that they come to mind is uh, I mean, I uh, and I'll use one in Texas where you are, uh, but in San Antonio, there's a course called Brackenridge, which is an old, super old historic place. Um, But I met a guy there who was in his 80s and his goal, his name was Frank and his goal was to shoot his age. And he had stopped playing. So he started playing golf at this course when he was 12. So he'd been playing there for over 70 years at this point. And he uh, had stopped playing golf for about 20 years until recently. And he was like, just woke up one day and was like, I just want to shoot my age and just got obsessed with that. And so he watched every golf YouTube instructor you could imagine. <laughs> and yeah. um, and was out there every day doing that. And he, he was really funny. He was a lawyer and he just had all these life philosophies that like, I think originally he was just going to give me one life philosophy, but then he'd be like, Oh, okay. One more, one more life philosophy. Here. <laughs> like, you know, one, one more turned into like eight more. And so. Um, you got four decided, hours worth of it. Yes. And then I think about this lady a lot that I played with um, in uh, New Hampshire, this course um, called Beaver Meadow. And it was in Concord, New Hampshire, which is like the, their capital up there and gorgeous place was, was there in the fall, which was like the, the Northeast in the fall is just outrageously mm. gorgeous. Yeah. And so, um, I used to think that Nashville and Tennessee was nice in the fall. And then I went to Vermont I was like, Oh, never mind. <laughs> this is right. like, this is amazing. And so, um, anyway, I was paired up with her and she, uh, was telling me just some, I mean, she was on a city council there, but she told me this story about how she spread her dad's ashes. Uh, when she went to Pebble beach, her dad was a big golfer and she's a big golfer. And she had had this last second opportunity to go to pebble and she went to the par three seventh there, you know, obviously the famous par three on the water and just carried her dad's ashes there in an old, um, you know, like medicine, like prescription bottle. And, um, and went and spread his ashes just behind the green out there. And her caddy, yeah. And her caddy had, had like, you know, had recently done that with someone that was deceased that he knew. And so he was really supportive of her with that. And, um, and she just told me this, this crazy, cool story about it and how she felt like when she got back on the plane to go home that she lost them all over again just because she was like, man, I'm leaving him in, in you know, Monterey in, in, at right. Pebble Beach. And so, um, yeah, those are a couple that come to mind. But, man, I could uh, – how long do we have? I could, I could go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> as,
0: <laughs> as long as you – we don't want to take too much of your time. Oh, you're uh, fine. But, I mean, that, that's why people got to buy the book. All the stories are going to be in the book. Oh, uh, Before I got uh, two more questions for you before we get in the book. Yeah. Was, was there any hole in ones that you had? I mean, you played a lot of golf. There's got to be one.
1: I played a lot of golf. There was not one. So uh, wow. there, I was that shows, so that close. It shows.
0: That shows, that shows I how, know. how hard a hole in one is. Truly, I don't have I one. I mean, truly. Like I, I, Jacob, do you have one?
2: I don't have one. I I've actually over like, three on the on the show. I've hit the side of the cup and just put a hole like in the ridge of the cup and it just never went in yeah so it just sat there it's just awful but yeah that's basically your your buddies are like
1: that that does not count that does not (laughs) count (laughs) (laughs) friends are great like that right and so yeah uh i have one hole in one as, as a little kid i mean i was gosh i don't even know maybe 11 years old or so but um but I've never had one as an adult and I've played as you guys can probably guess like a million rounds. And so uh, I came really close a couple of times, not that anyone wants to hear your close hole in one story, but uh, (laughs) I mean, within like an inch or two, maybe two or three times. And it always happened to be on the days I was playing my worst, you know, and you get up there Mm and hit one really good shot. And, um, but one of them was completely, one of them was completely blind and I was just had a feeling I was like, I just feel like that's going to be close. And, um, Got up there and this couple's like looking for their ball and I was like, "Is mine in the hole? Is mine in the hole?" And then got up there because it was like a little ridge and then it was literally like one inch from the cup. I was like, oh,
0: "Come on!" It's, I I'm, I always do that if I get up to the green, I feel like I hit a good shot. Maybe into the sun, you don't see it. I'm like, "Let me go check the hole real quick. Just see if maybe yeah. it's in there. It's like it's good, good, yet to be I think, in there."
1: The proper etiquette is like you have to pretend to kind of look around a little bit, like yeah. and then you're like, Well, I'll check the hole, but the whole time that's all you want to do is check the hole. <laughs> right. You just want to <laughs> walk
2: around <laughs> a box. Yeah. You're so you're so right when you say like uh like when you're having a terrible day, there's like there's always that like one shot that like can keep you coming back all the time. I've had that happen so many times, like just terrible. Yes. Like when Chet lived in Houston, like I, I played a course out in Houston, uh, Wildcat. Uh, golf club out there and of course you can see kind of the houston skyline and energy stadiums there and Mm -hmm. uh, and just having a terrible day you know and then i get up there and i'm in the middle of the fairway like 150 yards out and i'm like just let me hit it i just just no thought about it at all and uh, just sinking it in the hole and you're just like what just happened (laughs) it's it's just weird it's game man Golf yeah. has a weird way of always getting you to just come back every time and, and take your money.
1: It does for sure. Speaking of Houston, by the way, uh, I played two courses there. One, I, I played Memorial Park, which I would put right. in the same bucket as those bigger ones I mentioned earlier. And then
0: yeah. it's um, got a PGA Tour event there, so
1: correct, yeah. And like you know, they pumped a ton of money into it, redid it all, et cetera. Mm. And then, but one of them, I, I really love this course there. Did you guys ever play Gus Wortham when you're in Houston? No.
0: I've so i've seen it i'm trying to remember is it like on the north side of town it is do you, do you um
1: remember? i want to say it is on the east side of town it is not in a great area um if oh i know sense. what you're talking about yeah I, know, yeah I know what you're
0: talking about i've never played it but i've seen it pop up on like the golf now app i lived on the northwest side of houston so i was like i'm not driving an hour that, that way be, to go yeah, play. pretty far yes. yeah. yes yeah.
1: Uh, it's fantastic. I, I, I highly okay. recommend. Really, really fun. They, I think they, someone I forget who redid it all at some point, but it's it's the Houston Golf Association headquarters mm-hmm. now. But um, that place is awesome. Like I, 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 that was like my favorite course for quite a while as I was traveling.
0: Awesome. The, uh, yeah, Houston's got so many courses. Whether they're public, municipal, um, private, there's there's always one to choose from there tons um, yeah and, huge and place it's, it's it's fun to play golf like jacob mentioned the wildcats a fun course that was the first course i ever played in houston and mm. you got the some of the holes that overlook the skyline and it's just like cool views you're playing kind of that twilight three, round
2: nine, is it three nine holes out there no
0: wildcat is uh two separate 18 hole courses that's right two separate yeah. mm.
1: that's cool but, yeah
0: and then they just opened one up, actually on the river. They call it East River Nine. It's a nine hole course. It's fully lighted, so you can play it uh, up until they close at like eleven o'clock. Um, but it's it's got a view of downtown. It's it's on the East River that runs through Houston Buffalo Bayou. Um, it's got an awesome view of downtown when you go out there on the driving range and stuff. So I mean, golf. It's gonna sound cheesy, but it's one of the like the best things you can do. Really you meet so many people. Like in your experience travel the country just uh you know really it, it changes a lot of people's lives especially if you're a professional growing up wanting to play you get on the tour and you, you all this fame and money and it's just a legacy of 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 playing the, one of the oldest sports uh in history so uh, but let's get in let's get into your book uh you know you said you're still in progress how's that going what's it like uh writing from memory really
1: yeah i mean i i took notes as i was traveling which is definitely helpful um but there's definitely times where i'm like man i wish i would have taken more notes <laughs> you know but <laughs> um but a lot of it definitely comes back and, and really helps and i was able to you know use an audio recorder a lot that just was able to capture some of the conversations so it, which helps you know just get back into the sound and hearing someone's voice and be like that's right that's what they sounded like and so um but yeah it's been going well i mean i've uh you know I uh, almost hate to jinx it. You know, be like, "Yeah, it's going great." You know, but um, it will be uh, hopefully available to pre-order sometime in the near future. And then I'm not sure when it'll be out yet. But it's my first time going through this experience of right. writing a book and getting it published and all that jazz. So um, I feel like I could write a book about that whole process you know, of going <laughs> through. And so
0: maybe that'll be the uh, next one.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so it'll be a less interesting book, but um, uh, but. Anywho, so yeah, so I'm working on that now, and it'll basically, um, you know, it it captures the stories of all these people that I met on this trip, and, you know, some kind of more memoir-ish things, and what it's like to travel America in a van in 2022, and what sleeping in a Walmart parking lot in Mm -hmm. the middle of nowhere can be like, and what (laughs) parking in the you know, on a city street in Manhattan, you know, can be like, yeah. and you know, just all the different things. I mean, like, because we went from, you know, I mean, we we went, I mean, all this kind of classic Americana stuff. We saw like the Mall of America to the, I mean, we went to the Minnesota State Fair, which is like, you know, I think second to Texas, right, as far as like the biggest, craziest yeah, state fairs and. Uh, went to Fargo, uh, North Dakota. We were in Oklahoma City. You know, like we went from Oklahoma City up to Fargo. I think within a week, and went to Maine, which was just amazing. Obviously, we talked about Alaska, Hawaii, and so there's plenty to say. I'm sure that my first draft will be uh, much longer than what's eventually put out into the might world. Be, it um, might be two books. <laughs> I know, honestly. <laughs> um, trying to keep it from being that essentially, but, right? Um, but yeah, so it'll it'll be a mix of all that, but I mean it'll it'll center around the stories of these people, just because right. they're the reason I did this trip, and their um, their stories are fascinating. And keep in mind, these are just regular people, right? Like you don't have to be famous or have a big following or whatever to mm-hmm. have an amazing story. Which is mean, what almost what I found is the more regular the person, you know, I'll put regular in air quotes, like the more amazing the story. I mean, it's just it's it's really cool, and so um, and we all have the opportunity to do that to hear these stories just fyi this was not something that i invented or right right something that right. only i could do like it's literally you can go to any public golf course book a tea time with a stranger and um talk through it with them right i mean just you're gonna get into the normal stuff right what do you do where you're from okay cool oh yeah blah, blah, blah. you know so you can get through that stuff but man it's just it's just literally one level down <laughs> like mm-hmm. one level below that is all the, all the gold, all the good stuff. And so I think it really, you know, um, everybody wants to be known to to a certain capacity. Right. I I don't mean famous, but they just want to feel known. Right. Like that's when you're at your most comfortable. That's when you're your funniest. Right. And think about like you guys, you said you're going to a wedding here, um, in new Orleans pretty soon. Uh, like you're going to be around all your buddies, I, I, I would assume. And, um, I'm sure you'll feel pretty comfortable, pretty funny, uh, you know, more so than you would around a group of strangers. Right. And so
0: exactly. Yeah.
1: What I found is a cool way to, to, you know, or I just, I've, I've, as I met more people, I think people were just desperate to share their story because I think sharing your story helps you feel known and, and safe and cared for, even with it's even with a stranger you know, like myself right. to them. And so I think people were pretty desperate for that because I don't think a lot of people talk to each other anymore, um, face to face strangers wise and so um yeah so the book will really be centered around that as the north star uh, of being like hey this this thing doesn't happen a lot golf happens to be this weird goofy antidote to this (laughs) like i don't know what else i you know like i mentioned earlier i don't really know what else gets you with a stranger for this long
0: yeah and you're doing the same thing you're all trying to accomplish the same goal of yeah all in the hole at at the end of the day so
1: and so yeah and you kind of have this natural buffer built in it's not like you're at dinner with a stranger right like you're right in a shot you're able to you know um walk over to your ball so it's not like you're in constant contact with them Mm -hmm. but um you know you have to talk to them and when you do i mean it's your life will change not to sound dramatic but it'll genuinely happen
0: you learn a lot about a bunch of people um i was i was gonna ask you about your golf game where are you at uh you know you played a lot did you see your game get better or did it stay kind of level because you were more focused on the story aspects uh, of the rounds or where are you at with, yeah. with your game
1: well any golfer would go through certainly go through um like when you play a lot of golf i'm not trying to sound like i'm a martyr here like oh i had to play so much golf it was terrible <laughs> you know but when you play a lot of golf like there's definitely days where you know if I was just focused on playing or like focused on my score I would have been miserable just because I would have been like I just would have gotten burned out but yeah like you right. said I, would, I mean I was really focused on like getting these pairings pairings getting with the people I'm taking photos a lot as we're playing talking to them so my game was totally secondary to me the whole time but of course like definitely. any golfer like my game was just yeah you know, somewhat up and down but I would say I mean it stayed pretty consistent I mean I used to um, I worked in golf as an assistant pro at a club in Chicago for a couple of years. And so I was able to learn a bunch and practice a bunch then. And I've always kind of been basically around a one handicap, um, okay. for quite, I don't know, years and years and years. And so, um, but I mean, yeah, so there are certain times on the trip where I was like, Oh my gosh, I forgot how to play golf. <laughs> like, yeah. I've got to take a few days off because I, I can like barely make contact. And then Take a couple your days. your body off takes and... a
0: toll, too, playing yeah, like I mean every day. And then driving I... the van, too. I mean, it's, yes, it's yeah, easy life.
1: So I'm, I'm glad you said that, because sometimes I would, you know, I'm, it's an early morning round, and I'm, I'm trying to hit, like, a long iron on, like, the second hole, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think sleeping in the Walmart parking lot and then coming out here and playing <laughs> is, like, the best recipe <laughs> for this. You know, it's, like, yeah. that's not really the sharpest, <laughs> per se. But, anywho, I survived. Um, and uh it's you know the weather's starting to turn here which is nice so i'm getting out there more now and um remembering that all golf was not just on the trip last year but i uh, still enjoy doing it which is good all
0: right well that's yeah you didn't get burnt out where's your uh, where's your home course in, in nashville where you typically play at
1: yeah so nashville actually has a bunch of municipals for a city this size there's five or six i think um okay. so i really i bounce around within those mccabe but this one called mccabe golf course is kind of a home one here um I belong to, I, I joined Sweden's Cove, which is down near Chattanooga. Um, it's a, you know, I don't know if you guys know of it, but it's a nine hole golf course down there. Um, so that's kind of a home track. when I go down there, a decent amount typically. I, I've really only been like once in the past year because I was gone.
0: But You're right.
1: um, anyway, so yeah, I've been just back at the munis around here and waiting for the grass to be green and it not Jumping. to be wet and cold yeah. <laughs> every day, pretty
0: much. On that one. Well, Jeremy, we appreciate you coming on and, and telling your story. Uh, and we're definitely looking forward whenever the book comes out, getting our hands on a copy of that and reading it. You know, of course, we'll do our part as much as we can pr- promote it and try to get it out there. Because just this hour conversation has really opened my eyes up onto, uh, like I mentioned before the show started. I'm out of here just moved to to this part of Central Texas. Don't really know anybody to play golf with. I might, and I previously was like oh let me i just want to play with myself work on my game you know just kind of get through the round Mm -hmm. but now i want to get out there and talk to these people and meet uh figure out like you said peel back that onion and that one little thing that opens the door and then you really have an an honest and meaningful conversation with with a total stranger so
1: completely yeah that's I, i was gonna before we wrapped i was gonna say hey your goal this week to yeah. go play with a stranger out there, <laughs> you
0: know, like, I might go play Friday. I might be like, Hey, am I playing by myself? Yes. Yeah, no, pair me with somebody, put somebody on the T sheet. Let me, uh, l- tex- let me play if, with somebody.
1: Absolutely. If Texas is yeah. as hot as I remember, the weather should be fine. <laughs> you should be good to, uh,
0: so yesterday it was 50 degrees, today it was 85. Uh, we'll That's see perfect. what <laughs> we'll see what it is on Friday. It fluctuates, you never know, but, but, yes. uh, where can people find you? Where, what are your socials? Uh, they, can, they can check it out and stay tuned for the book.
1: Yeah, so everything's is um, just at pairedupgolf, P-A-I-R-E-D, upgolf, up um, pairedupgolf.com, uh, which I'm redoing right now. The website's a bit of a wreck. but um, And then, uh, but yeah, just on, on socials there, I'll keep people posted with um, when the book's ready for pre-order and when it's, um, you know, if I get a publisher and all that stuff, I'll, I'll definitely post on Twitter. And Instagram, and then I guess TikTok, which I'll I'll use some now, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but I, I really, I mean, of course, I, you know, it's helpful to have people follow you on there just for publishing sake and and that kind of thing. But as I'm writing this book, I'm really not posting a ton, so definitely feel free to hop on there and dig through kind of older stuff I posted um, from the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really post a ton as I was as I was going, just because I was I was eventually I just got so locked into the people and their stories and. Was like, all right, I'm saving this for the book. It's just my energy is best spent staying right. present with these people than it is right, worrying yeah. about, um, you know, oh gosh, when Instagram only lets me have this reel it'll be 90 seconds? Can I carve off, the, you know, whatever? And so, <laughs> yeah. um, which definitely went through times of that on the road where I was like so frustrated and I was like, all right, screw it. I'll just, I'll do it later, you know? And so, mm-hmm. anyway, that's a long way of saying they can find me there. Um, yeah. I'd love to have them. And um, as soon as I, I'm just trying to be on a little bit of a media diet here as I write this book, because it's hard to keep the antenna clear when you're scrolling, <laughs> basically, <Exactly>. right? So <laughs> get,
0: get, the, get the book done and then just start posting little teaser clips uh, like you have on TikTok. And some will start taking off of people. It'll build anticipation for the book. It's just like releasing a movie trailer. Like you released a trailer uh, that, that caught my eye and here we are talking for a little over an hour and, and just hear more Perfect. about it. Perfect. So. Yeah, but yeah. We this tra- uh,
1: this trailer will be the cocaine bear of golf books. Be <laughs> there the you go. Nice, <laughs> nice. So well I think that's maybe like the most viral trailer of all time. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, so. Yep. Well, man. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me, though. I appreciate this.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. Um, and, and of course, we'll we'll stay in touch and look forward to reading the book once it comes out. All right. Thanks, fellas. Yep. Yeah, have a good one, man.